morning, Gator Nation, and welcome to a very special episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. It is a true everything school episode today. Uh, I am your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at All Kinds Weather, and on Facebook and on YouTube at In All Kinds of Weather. Dustin, my co-host, is getting his mic set up. Um, so while we wait for him to join, might as well tell you all about our sponsors slash partners. As usual, we are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, the nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged Gator fan to the swamp. For those of you maybe new listeners, the Gator Good Foundation collects donations from fellow Gator fans and uses the donations to bring someone to his or her first ever Florida Gator football game. We pay for flights, for rental cars if necessary, uh, hotels, game tickets, and some swag, and we make sure that they have the swamp experience of a lifetime. We are looking to send someone to the swamp in 2022. If you believe that you or someone you know is worthy of the honor, please reach out to us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. We are also looking for donations, as always. Um, to donate to our cause, please visit our website, GatorGoodFoundation.com, and click on the donate button. While you're there, you can also look around the site and see some of the campaigns we've done in prior years. Speaking of Gator Good Foundation, I'm going to talk about the people that built their site, StingrayBranding.com, our sponsor. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are two great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One, it's a veteran-owned business. Can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. And two, it's run by a Florida Gator fan. So yes, they do great work, but they do great work and they're owned by a Florida Gator fan who happens to be a U.S. veteran and a Florida Gator grad now at that. Recently just graduated from UF's online program. Uh, congratulations on that. To learn more about their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com and you will see their brand new website that they just unveiled this week, stingraybranding.com. So with that said, we like to talk about all sports here on the All Kinds of Weather Forecast when they do well. We like to shine a spotlight on the teams that deserve it because we are the everything school. And that means today we're talking about a bunch of different sports. In fact, we're talking about eight different sports today. Some in more detail than others, but eight different sports will be mentioned on today's show, hence the everything school nickname. Uh, Dustin's still getting his mic set up, so... While we're waiting for him, first order of business, shout out to Gator Women's Gymnastics, the SEC champions. Full disclosure, um, on this pod, we do like to stick with what we know. None of us are truly experts on the sport of gymnastics. Dustin actually does follow it a little bit. Although we may not be experts, we still do always want to shout out Florida Gator athletes who do well in their sports. These are Gators, these are athletes, and now they are SEC champions, and that adds to the prestige of the everything school so congratulations gator gymnastics you you have certainly represented that gator logo well and you have certainly upheld the gator standard congratulations to y'all on that and let's go get that national title next up gator women's tennis it's weird to say this um believe it or not 
and, and this, this is just wild to say, probably the most underwhelming spring sport Florida has right now. And that's not a knock on them. That's just an indication of how dominant every other spring sport is for Florida. I mean, why do I call them underwhelming? And, and I'm putting air quotes around that, by the way. What makes me call them underwhelming? Well, they're quote-unquote only 8-3 and three, and only ranked 13 in the country and just lost a tough battle to number 8 Texas A&M. It's a Gator team that's objectively very, very good, borderline great, uh, maybe not a team we can quite call elite, maybe not a team that we can expect to make a real run for a national title, but certainly a team that, that's good enough to, I think, compete for one of those top 16 overall seeds and host the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. And then, you know, when those you're in the Sweet 16, then you just go from there. And it's just, again, just crazy to think about how I say a, a team that's got a real legitimate path to the Sweet 16 is underwhelming by most objective measures. That is a ridiculous statement, but well, then we're going to talk about other sports in a moment and you'll see why I say that men's tennis up next. This is, this is my sport. Yes. I played college tennis uh, D three, not for Florida. I'm not 1% of the player that anyone on this Florida team is, but it's probably the sport that I understand in the greatest detail and most nuanced since I played it. And so it holds a special meaning to me because of that. And also on top of that, because I happen to be very friendly with Sam Riffis, the captain of this year's team and of last year's team. Uh, anyway, Gator tennis, Gator men's tennis is worth paying attention to perhaps more than any other sport right now for Florida for a very, very special reason. We remember the so-called 04s in basketball with Joakim Noah and Corey Brewer and Torian Green and Al Horford. And they were called the 04s because that's the class they were in. They won the national title in 06. All could have realistically gone pro. Instead, they all chose to come back to try to win another national title, and they did. Florida men's tennis in 2021 won the national title. And then, well, Sam Riff has doubled that up by winning the individual national championship for singles. So he's a, he's a double national champion. Um, but anyway, three guys on that team were ranked in the top 750 in the world. Riffis, Ben Shelton, the coach's son, and Duarte Valle, all ranked in the top 750 in the world in tennis. So tennis is a little weird with its rankings. Uh, basically, you have to win enough matches to get a high enough ranking to get invited to the qualifiers. You win enough of those. You get to go to the major tournaments. You win, you know, like the Italian Open, uh, Indian Wells, Miami Open. Uh, there, there's a Chinese one, uh, etc. Do well enough in those, and you get invited to the Grand Slams, which are, of course, the U.S. Open, the French Open, Australian Open, and Wimbledon. And just so we're all aware, if you lose in the first round of any one of those four Grand Slams, your prize money is seventy-five thousand dollars right there, just 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 for appearing in that first round. Now, multiply that by four for appearing in all four of the Grand Slams losing in the first round. And, and then there are all kinds of payouts for winning matches in the lower tier tournaments. So it's essentially just for being a top 130, 140-ish, 150-ish sort of player in the world, you can pull in north of half a million dollars a year. That's pretty good. So if, if you're a top 750 or so player in the world in college, you can plausibly say, hey, let, let's maybe drop out. Let's make tennis a full-time thing, not have other responsibilities like classes, 
and degrees and all that. Let's maybe focus on tennis full-time and get ourselves up into that top 150, top 140 range and start collecting some cash. Top 250, you probably should, but top 750, you have a real case to go pro and start making money. Point is Florida had three of those guys. Florida had three of the top 750 tennis players in the world on last year's national title team. Not in the country, not just top 750 under the age of 22. No, they had three of these 750 best tennis players on planet Earth, and all three decided to come back and try to win back-to-back national titles, and they're looking good in their quest to doing so. They are currently 6-2 and two against teams in the top 15. They are 9-2 and two overall, starting out 2-0 and oh in the SEC with wins over Kentucky and South Carolina. They took down Georgia in a non-conference match um, across the country in a, in a preseason sort of tournament. So that was, that's good. You know, always great to beat Georgia. And they are currently ranked number five in the country. So keep an eye on them. Know that these guys sacrificed a good bit to come back and just enjoy the ride because it, it could be something special. And Dustin, I know you've been waiting patiently. So um, go ahead and give me your thoughts on, on those three sports, uh, men's tennis, women's tennis, and gymnastics what's what stood out to you what has impressed you and, and what are you most looking forward to going forward well uh, first off real quick i want to talk about tennis now i think it's i think it doesn't need to be said that you are certainly the resident expert on on the in the tennis category because of course you played it um i uh i, I played it in in pe in, in middle school that's about the extent of my tennis experience um, I could barely hit the ball with the racket, but anyhow, um, as far as the Gators, I mean, we're in everything school and I've been, I've been very impressed with both of our tennis teams, both our women's and our men's. Um, as you would say, the women's team is definitely not, they're not as, as uh, national championship worthy as the men's tennis team, but they do have some skill. Um, they're eight and three overall. And they're they're going to be in the tournament, and and they they might be sneaky in the sense that if they uh, a few matches go their way in in the tournament, they they could very well make a run for it. Now, is that my expectation? Is that your expectation? Probably not. I know on the men's tennis side, um, I fully expect the men's tennis team to compete for national championships. Uh, that's the pedigree that we've had. Um, we we win championships in in that sport. So we'll see what happens with the women's. Now, speaking of women's, I want to talk about a women's sport that we don't talk about a ton on this podcast, um, but it's gymnastics. Uh, Florida gymnastics, they – let me just say this, Neil. I know we're going to get into men's basketball in a little bit. Um, the, the environment that they're bringing into the O-Dome is the environment that when I was – in college and Billy Donovan was still the coach and we were we, we had that that run all the way to the final four um that type of home environment for basketball is the type of home environment that I've seen at gymnastics the one gymnastics match that I've been to and I haven't been to many Florida played Oklahoma the the O-Dome was packed and Florida beat Oklahoma by like two-tenths of a point, and it was incredible to see the Gators do that. Um, I want to specifically talk about their recent match versus Auburn. Uh, many of you who 
who study gymnastics or follow the sport um, know that uh, Auburn has this incredible gymnast, uh, um, Suni, who, who, who actually won the all-around in the Olympics um, th this past year. I did want to give a shout-out to Sloan, who got a 10 on her floor exercise. And my absolute favorite um, uh, gymnast, I, I know we're not really supposed to have favorites, but my favorite gymnast is, of course, Trinity Thomas. I think she's awesome. And she got a 10 out of 10 on vault, um, which she, I mean, Trinity's great at everything, but vault is typically not the exercise that you expect her to get a 10 out of 10 on. Usually it's floor um, or bars, but she did amazing on her vault. And my hope is that she continues that momentum moving into the, uh, the ch championship season as we're as we're about to get into with with the gator uh, gymnastics yeah well championships are the expectation for the university of florida um, obviously yeah. winning the sec championship is is certainly a step uh it, you know we, we count those we we hang those from the, the the ceiling of the o-dome but it's the national championship that we're we're really after and after um after a, a less than excellent performance at last year's national championships uh, i think this is something that these girls will definitely be hungry for i, I do want to again point out that i may not understand a ton about gymnastics but i know enough about it to know that th the scoring system is just absolutely appalling uh it, it is it is totally subjective and in the hands of people that maybe don't think the same way that other judges in of previous matches have and that that totally skews the scoring, and, and it leads to results where where Florida, I, I mean, should have beaten Auburn. I mean, everyone everyone watching it uh, seemed to think that although Auburn had possibly the best gymnast in the country in SUNY, uh, Florida did the better job overall. Uh, probably should have won that overall match. But anyway, uh, onto a sport that does have a winner decided every time that team steps onto the floor women's basketball it's a little tricky now because things were going real smoothly kelly ray finley was the story of the year in college basketball did an entire podcast on that uh that that is still relevant i think uh with with, with former florida women's basketball player jordan jones listen to that um as whenever you get the chance to but Things aren't so rosy now. Florida's lost a few games. They've lost three in a row to end the regular season. They were about to lose to Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament. Vanderbilt beat them at the end of the regular season. They were about to lose to them again. Uh, they came back. They won that game, but they lost their star player, Kiki Smith, in the process, which makes two of Florida's best players now gone for the year after losing Lavender Briggs early on. I mean, it's it's a great story that the team will fight, they will scrap, they will put their bodies on the line for that Florida logo, and I will always have nothing but the utmost appreciation for that. But Dustin, it's a team with limited firepower right now. It's a team with with very limited capabilities uh, without Kiki Smith. I mean, yeah, there's still talent. You still got Zippy Broughton there. You still got the coach of the year and Kelly Ray Finley, but it's just not the same team it was a few weeks ago. Yeah, Neil, you know, even even off air, you and I um, over the last uh, week or week and a half or so, 
Um, we we kind of discussed the slump coming coming into SEC play, and um, wasn't really a good time for it. Typically, this is the time of the year where you want to be peaking, and unfortunately, uh, to make matters even worse for this Florida Gators women's basketball team, um, the loss of Kiki Smith is very devastating. Um, not only is she the heart and soul of the team in a lot of ways, um, but I mean she has the accolades to back it up. First team All SEC, and um, I mean when you see her play, um, you know she gave it her all. And uh, as a graduate student, um, you know she she played her last basketball uh, for the Florida Gators in in the the final minutes of or the her her final uh, well I guess the first four minutes of the game. Um, before she uh, unfortunately went out with an injury. So that's very devastating. And, you know, it, it remains to be seen how this team can rally together. Um, just real quick, Neil, and I, and I, and I look forward to hearing uh, your thoughts on the matter. But obviously we're super excited that, that uh, Coach Kelly um, got the interim tag removed from her. Uh, she is now officially the head coach of the Florida Gators basketball team. Um, oh, yeah, that's know. right. We haven't done a podcast since then. It's a, it's a, um, it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, she deserves it. Hats off to her. Definitely, I think, um, a bit of closure and a start to something new for those those players. Um, you know, going, going through that physical and emotional abuse from Cam Neubauer, and then you have the, the sort of good cop in the situation, the voice of reason, staying with them for some continuity, but it's, it's the right kind of continuity. It's not that there's any of the abuse continuing on. It's the, you know, the, the, the small light that was shining through in that dark time that is now shining that much brighter, continuing to stay with them on a more, on a permanent basis. And that's, that's awesome. Uh, It'll be something that I think we can, we can smile more about after the season right now. It it is looking a little gloomier with the loss of Smith and the, the collapse, but yeah, we did definitely had to mention that. Good for bringing that up. Yeah, I'll just say this, Neil, real quick. She's objectively a, a really good basketball coach. I mean, some of the some of the situational decisions that she made earlier in the year and some of these big time victories that that took Florida from being um, around an eleven seed, uh, barely making the tournament, um, at least early in the year, to now it looks like Florida's probably going to be a six or seven seed um, with without with Kiki. Still part of the team that had a shot of maybe even being higher, or obviously with that if that slump didn't happen at the end of the year, they probably could have been in that four to three to four range. But even that may have been a tall task. But she's done a really, really good job. This has obviously been an overachieving team in a lot of ways, and I think there's a lot that we could be proud of. And um, unlike another basketball team, which we'll discuss in a little bit. I think the future is really bright for, for, for Florida Gators women's basketball under the, the current coaching situation. No, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it is the, the program that is currently uh, in possession of the more bright future right now. Florida women's basketball definitely seems like it's headed in the right direction with Kelly Ray Finley. I just want to see what happens when she recruits her own players. I mean, she, she was responsible to some degree of recruiting players for Cam Newbauer, but now it's her show. Now it's her program. It is her team. She can recruit everyone she wants. She has the say 
in if someone gets an offer or not. And now what she's done with this current Florida basketball team, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to steal uh, an analogy from a totally different sport. To talk about Florida women's basketball. Bear Bryant once called Florida football, a sleeping giant. It was only a matter of time before someone kicked it and poked it and woke it up. Uh, Florida women's basketball might've just gotten kicked and woken up because look at where it's situated. I mean, the state it's in, I mean, the, the talent is the talent. It, even, you know, w- with women's athletics, there's still a ton of talent in the state of Florida that you can just mine and, and take for yourself. And, you know, all, all the academies are there, you know, IMG has women's athletes there, uh, or, or sorry, IMG prepares girls to, to play intercollegiate athletics at the highest level, just like it does with guys. It's a pretty talent-rich state. It's in the SEC. It's, you know, you got that SEC money coming in. The facilities are pretty damn good at the University of Florida. There's really not a reason for Florida women's basketball to not at least match the level of success of pretty much any other sport at Florida. I mean, I guess volleyball hasn't won a national title yet, but they're still one of the top 10, 15-ish programs in the country. There's no reason Florida women's basketball should be lagging as far behind as it has been. And now with Kelly Ray Finley, full-time head coach, I think she can recruit a roster that can get them closer to that spot, if not exceed that expectation. Um, But yeah, as you mentioned, there's another basketball program that I I guess we have to talk about it. Uh, I don't really have much to say about it. I don't have a whole lot to say about Gator men's basketball at this point. I mean, Mike White made his bed. He's going to lie in it. This is his handpicked roster. He's the one who chose to hit the portal and fill his team with transfers. This team was exactly what he wanted. And you know what? It's not very good. So, uh, again, so this is done. This is over. Uh, Either he's done after the season or the fan base is. And and I I mean really done. Like, not even – 80 to 85% filling the O-Dome. Like we're talking less than two thirds filling the O-Dome next year. Good luck selling your booster base on year eight of this guy who last time I checked still has zero final four appearances, zero SEC titles. I don't think he's going to win the SEC tournament this year. So sure. Throw that in there too. Zero SEC tournament titles. He's finished in the top four of the SEC just two times in seven years and zero times in the last four years. He's made the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, you know, the the regional stage of the sweet 16 or further. He's made that one time in seven years. I'm pretty sure he's not going to do that this year. Um, It's just not good enough. And, and and I'm done. I mean, they'll, they'll always be my team. I'll, I'll check the scores on the ESPN app and I'll see how they're doing. They're, you know, I, I have the star next to them on the ESPN app. They're, they're a favorite, so I'll check them out, see how they're doing. If I see that they're on TV and I'm not doing something else, I'll flip it on. And, yes, I'll do so with the hopes that they've got more points by their name than the other team. But as yeah. long as White's here, I'm checked out. I, I'm, I'm just disgusted with the overall state of this program and, and what the university has decided is an acceptable standard. So I'm just disgusted. I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, Neil, I just want to second what you just said. Um, I think there's something very poignant that we've talked about. Um, we spoke about it last time we mentioned the sport. 
and we're going to talk about it again tonight. You mentioned it very briefly. This is the standard that the University of Florida and the powers that be, um, you know, <clears throat> Scott Strickland. <clears throat> anyhow, um, th this is this is the acceptable outcome of Florida Gator basketball. The Gator standard, um, in the eyes of the athletic department, is no longer championships. It's no longer being top two in the SEC. Um, there's no reason why Florida shouldn't be up there with Kentucky every year. But that's just you and I. We're fans, and that's what we think. It's clearly not what the athletic department thinks. Obviously, with football, the expectation in football from the athletic department is to win championships. Mullen was not – Mullen was winning a lot of games, but he wasn't winning championships, and he was fired the, the moment that the football department went south. Um, the same cannot be said about basketball. I mean, I have so much respect for Mike White as a person. No one's ever argued that he's not a great person. He's a great guy. He's, he's you know, if you want somebody to hang out with, if you want somebody to be your, your mentor, uh, man, I wish he was my, my high school coach. Uh, I would have I loved to have been mentored by him. Um, he's, he's a great guy. I, I mean, it doesn't even need to be said. But in terms of building a program, in terms of, of being the CEO, the leader of the men's basketball team, he is not living up to the Gator standard, in, in, in our opinion. And I, and I want to I leave it at that. But it's the not our opinion, Dustin, because if you go into the O-Dome, and, here, and here, here we go again, people go, well, if you never step in the O-Dome, you're not a fan. Well, I have been to the O-Dome, but that's beside the point. Yeah. You, you, you who say that, you go to so many games, right? You've been to the O-Dome so many times, right? Take, take yeah. a look up. Look up at the rafters what do you see hanging down from those rafters of the o-dome do you see made the ncaa tournament do you see banners that say did not finish with a losing record in the sec hanging from there because because I, I don't see those I, I see final fours i see national championships i see sec championships i i don't see round of 32s I don't see Neil. 120 plus games. It's not our standard. It's the standard that the University Athletic Association, before Scott Strickland got here, decided was the standard. And Strickland's just the one that's not upholding it now. Neil, this is a team that in the last 30 years has been to five Final Fours. This team has been to three national championship games, and it's won the championship twice in the last 30 years. This is a program, I mean, if you do the math on that, I mean, a lot of those were in the 2000s. Of course, we won back-to-back -back national championships under Billy Donovan. Uh, Billy Donovan, again, led the Florida Gators in, um, I believe, 2014. Yes, 2014. Um, 2013 to 2014 season led the Gators back to the Final Four. Of course, we, uh, we lost to UConn again um, in that season. That's the standard. Unfortunately, again, there's, there's this disconnect between what the standard should be and what the standard actually is. Because right now, the Gators are the, the ninth best team in the SEC. Yeah. In the SEC. That's right. Dustin said ninth. They're not fifth. They, they, they lost that game to Texas A&M. They lost that game to Alabama at home. They lost that game to LSU at home. There's a reason why, yeah, they're, they're technically tied in wins and losses with those teams, there's a reason why they are the nine seed, not the five seed, not the six seed. They are ninth. 
They are ninth in the SEC. Yeah. So let's just confirm that before we go forward. Yeah, they're ninth, and that's unacceptable. That's not, look that that they're. I mean, the SEC is a lot better now than they were ten years ago. Um, I'll give you that. Uh, but I I would if if Florida was in the the old Big East um, back back in the day when the when the Big East was something. Um, or the the ACC. There, there's all these storied conferences, the Big Ten. Um, you know, even even in some years, the the Pac-12. Um, you know, being ninth in 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 the the blue blood conferences is is one thing. But there's there's teams ahead of Florida that are are not good. The reason why I say that is Florida's not good. Florida is mediocre. Florida is inconsistent. Florida is a team that cannot find an identity shooting the basketball. Florida is a team that still struggles in transition. Florida is still a team that is that is missing wide open shots and layups. Okay. So often I hear fans, man, if we just hit more threes, look, I, I like hitting threes like 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 the next fan, but at the end of the day, if you can't even make wide open layups, if you can't even drive the ball to the hoop in transition, like I, I don't know where to begin. There's there's fundamental problems with this Florida Gator team. Okay, again, this is not this is not a hit on the character of Mike White. He is an excellent human being. He's a great guy. Great guy. I don't I don't drink beer. But if I did, he's the guy I'd want to do it with. Amazing person. At the end of the day, he is not he and this is this is not subjective. This is objective. He is not leading this Florida Gator team to the place that it should be. This is not opinion. This is not I like Mike White, I don't like Mike White. The Gator standard is not ninth in the SEC. The Gator standard is top three in, in the SEC. Is there any argument with that? Dustin, the standard is competing for SEC championships and exactly. Final Fours more exactly. years than you do not. And look, a bad year will happen. Billy Donovan's last year was horrendous. Billy Donovan also won the SEC. How many times, Dustin? More than once, more than twice. More than three times, more than wasn't four it, times, more than it like five six times. times. Yeah. So and he went to f- how many Final Fours? More than one, more than two, more than three. Five. So he competed for those same accolades more years than he won them, obviously. But a lot of other years, they were second in the SEC, third in the SEC, losing in the Elite Eight. His third year even, lost in the Sweet 16 in a weird game to Gonzaga. They competed for SEC titles and Final Fours more years than they did not. Check. Plus, I mean, he exceeded the Gator standard. He won two national titles. I won't even say that winning a national title is the standard because there's so much luck that goes into that. There's so many weird things that can happen throughout the tournament that I just say, you know what, Final Four, you check the box. Win the SEC, you check the box. That's that's fine. You've you've met that standard. He's, I mean, Mike White is, has, is not only not meeting the standard – he is cheapening the brand. He is worsening and lowering that standard so that now 
when we're, we finish ninth in the SEC, we have fans go, well, he's, he's tied for fifth. You know what? Fifth still isn't good enough. It's not. Fifth in the <laughs> SEC, finishing outside the top four in the SEC four years in a row now isn't good enough. And you know what? Frankly, I'm, I'm just so sick of this. I'm not even – I don't even care to talk about this anymore. So let's let's move on to a sport that actually does know what it's doing, uh, there, Gator softball. we, we got to – Actually, Neil, there, there's one thing that I want to actually talk about and it, when it comes to basketball, and I think it's important we talk about this. And that is the that is the story of Keontae Johnson. Okay, yes. Fair. Yeah. And I, you're – Neil, you're why – don't, why don't you – why don't you – why don't you enlighten us on, on what happened? You're, you're so good at, at bringing – bringing uh stories like this to life so yeah, well, I'll, I'll i'll i would love to hear your your breakdown on, on what happened and then i can i can kind of add my thoughts i mean keontae johnson has really been the only light in a in a very dark period for gator basketball i shouldn't even say dark it's because you know it, it hasn't been terrible it's just been like you know overcast it's it's been overcast for for four years it hasn't really been thundering and lightning but it's just been overcast we haven't really seen the stars or the sun in four years now. But anyway, Johnson, we all know uh, by now the tragic story of him collapsing against FSU uh, in December of 2020. Florida actually looked like they might win that game because Johnson had started off so hot in that game, and then he just collapsed. And uh, I mean, as we talked about, Mike White, always the great person, wound up spending the night with Keontae Johnson in a hospital in Tallahassee. Uh, fun fact, the same hospital where my mom was born in Tallahassee. Um, just because he didn't, he had no idea what, what had happened. It was so scary and so frightening. There were theories thrown out there. There were theories that it was COVID related. There were theories that it was a heart attack. I mean, it had been debunked. We still don't really know exactly what it is. You know, myocardiosis has been thrown out there. I don't think we still, we don't, I still don't think we know the precise uh, pinpoint diagnosis of it, but, but we know it is something to do with his heart. Um, and as a result, he effectively was, I don't know how else it is. He was basically banned from playing basketball, not as a punishment, but for his own good, because it was, it was deemed that, that playing more basketball could potentially risk an even more serious injury or, or illness or, or, or issue that could potentially lead to even more serious consequences. So that was the end of his basketball career for Florida um, and he stayed on with the Gators as, as a coach, as a, as a student coach, I guess the, the term should go. And he has played a, a pretty big role, I think, in, in the Gators' identity to the extent that, that they have one. Um, but on senior day, he finally got one last chance to step on the court with his Gator brothers. He was on the floor as a starter. A tip came to him, and he took a few dribbles Kissed the floor. Um, by the way, shout out John Calipari. Shout out Kentucky for being okay with that, going along with it. In theory, they could have, I guess, said no. You know that you know, this is basketball. We're not about theater. I mean, it would have been kind of heartless, but they they could have done that. They didn't. So shout out to Calipari, Kentucky, for going along with it. Um, Calipari actually even said. I was okay with him taking a layup to start the game and scoring two points and going in the record books with that. And I, I was okay starting off the game down two nothing. We, you know, it's a 40 minute game. We can overcome that. He was, 
probably doing that in part because he didn't really see Florida as a threat to beat him where two points can make a difference, but nonetheless, still a very nice gesture on his part. Um, but anyway, that, that didn't happen. I'm, I'm guessing there were, there were some insurance reasons that went into that. Um, but Johnson did get one last moment holding the basketball in uniform on the court in front of the lot of Gator fans. Great to see. Great to get. We'll always remember that fondly. Uh, Keontae Johnson. I, I know we've just, I've gotten through, Dustin has too, uh, just gotten through shredding the current state of the basketball program. But but we love you. Uh, we think nothing but the world of you. Wish you nothing but the best moving forward. And you will always be a Florida Gator legend. Yeah, Neil, and I don't think it even needs to be said, but that, that whole display, the whole celebration of Keontae at the beginning of the, the game, the way that everything played out, um, was certainly a tearjerker because you see a guy who was certainly um, certainly looked like the best player on the team. And in a lot of ways, um, he still probably is the best player on the team. Unfortunately, he's not really able to put his basketball skills on display anymore due to the, um, the unfortunate circumstance. Um, but I, I think just the way everything played out, um, the way that he uh, he was able to get the tip and the way that he was able to ceremoniously start the game um, on his senior night, um, the way that he uh, knelt down and, and kissed the floor. Um, unfortunately, fate did not allow him to give Florida basketball what he wanted to give Florida basketball, but he still gave Florida basketball his everything. Everything he could have possibly given Florida, and I'm even kind of choking up right now as I as I recount this. But um, I I think I want to echo what you said in a in a a team that otherwise has been underwhelming, uh, uh, really a story that has been otherwise underwhelming with Florida basketball. Um, Keontae Johnson has been the 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 storyline that has been a bright spot on this team. A bright spot because of his positivity, because of his enthusiasm, because um, he has continued to uh, stay the path, even though it hasn't been what he expected. It's unfortunate in so many ways, um, but his positivity, his inspiration, um, I think he's inspiring a lot of a lot of uh, young kids across the country um, who aspire to be basketball players, but even beyond that, aspire to be um aspire to be men men who uh stick to what they committed to men who regardless of what they face um choose to be good influences and you know i i want to be like keontae when when life when life goes the wrong way i want to i want to i want to do what keontae did i want to have that grit and determination and I think we can all be inspired by him. And it's going to be sad to see him go. Um, I really wanted him to, to, to play another another full game. And I wanted to see him come back. And, you know, there's a lot that we don't know about his journey. There's a lot that we don't know. You know, will he will he have a chance to play at the next level? Will he, is this, is it truly over? Um, remains to be seen. I mean, we have some ideas, but. There's always hope. As long as, long as he's going to continue to have hope, I'm always going to continue to have hope when it comes to his situation.
Yeah, I think he I think he gives us all good perspective too. I mean, we we and look, I I stand firm on every word I just said about Mike White. Um, I will never not think what I currently think about Mike White. He, you know, that 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 camel's back was broken with Oral Roberts. That final straw was was tossed onto the camel's back with Oral Roberts, and then for good measure, uh, Texas Southern and Maryland were just like. An Athenian soldier just taking a sword and just completely dismembering the already dead camel and just strewing its parts all across the desert. But I mean, it, it's done and over with for me with him. But that's just basketball. Like it, as graphic as that was, that's basketball, and and there's life outside of it. And you know, Keontae Johnson is probably very very bummed that he can't get to make basketball a part of his life anymore. But he's a smart dude. He's got he's got real brain power in his head. He can do whatever he wants to do. If that if he wants to be coaching, and he can probably do that at a very high level. If he if he wants to be an investor, he can do that too. If he wants to run a business, he can do that too. He's got brains and he's got the marketability now as as Keontae Johnson, who everybody now knows to be very, very successful in something other than basketball. And that really is what college athletics is about. We you know we talk about athletes who either do or don't do their jobs on the field or court well but they're still they're still kids and you know for for as irritated and as frustrated and as mad as we might get about them not doing their job well or for as on the other side of that as happy as we might be for them doing their jobs like with men's tennis um for example or, or baseball which we'll get to in a second or softball they are they are people with with lives outside of their favorite sport. And that is ultimately what the overwhelming majority of them are going to be collecting money for doing one day. It's not going to be sports, especially, unfortunately, women's sports. The market's just not there. Um, I mean, we saw um, just the other day, we're not going to talk politics here, but Brittany Griner arrested in Russia. She's one of, if not the most prolific women's basketball players in the world. So why is she in Russia when she's already playing here? Well, because WNBA doesn't pay that much because she has to go overseas to make more money so she can make a decent living. It's unfortunate that that's the case, but the market just isn't there. And by the same token, you can be a really good college baseball or men's tennis or men's basketball or football player in college, but there's just not the market there for all these players to have jobs in the NFL, like CC Jefferson, for example, pretty good college football player. He wouldn't call him elite, but he was certainly an above average college football player. He, there wasn't room for him in the NFL. He had to go take another job. He, he wound up, uh, I think he was delivering for, for UPS. I want to say he was delivering for UPS um, about a year ago. I don't know what he's doing now, but he has to do something else because there wasn't room for him in the NFL. And that's the case for the overwhelming majority of these college athletes. And if you're a Gator and if, if you, if you try your best, I don't ask for stats or championships, whatever, if you just do the best you can do, I really can't ask for anything else of you. And in turn, in, in return for that, I'm going to wish you nothing but the best of, of luck in whatever it is you choose to do outside of sports. Once your college days are over. Um, but yeah, it was good that we brought that up. It was good we talked to Keontae. It was good we, we put that perspective in place. And, and with that perspective in place, let's now move on to Gator softball. 
the uh, the sport that is doing its job right now. They are currently twenty one and one. They lost a weird game to Southern Miss um, in the middle of the week in Gainesville, but aside from that, they have beaten every team they've played, including some pretty good teams like Michigan and Duke, who are both ranked. They got several other wins over over Power Five teams or Power Six. It's called, um, I guess now. Uh, USF isn't really Power Six, but they're in the tournament every year. That's a good win. Uh, Villanova, Big East. That's a good win. Louisville, the ACC. That's a good win. Uh, Coastal Carolina, not really a joke. They're not. I would I would say they're great, but they're not terrible. Blew them out twice. Uh, Georgia State beat them twice. UCF, a, a solid team that's always in the NCAA tournament in a crazy game in Orlando. Went back and forth with them. They finally came out on top 12-11. That was a nice win. James Madison went to the College World Series semifinals last year. They beat them. So a team that, yeah, they're maybe not the, the strongest opponents that have been lined up for Florida so far, but there are some good ones in there for sure. And good and bad alike, Florida is just taking care of them. And they're currently in the top five in, in every major poll. And as SEC play is about to start, Dustin, they look pretty good. I mean, they, they won the SEC last year. The, the postseason didn't go the way they wanted to. They lost the Super Regional to Georgia. But that typically doesn't happen twice to a Florida team, uh, at least not twice in a row. This team, it's early, but they might be something special. Yeah, Neil, this is a team that I, I just have three quick observations. Um, this is a team on a tear. This is a team that, at least in the the early stretch, um, I mean, to be 21 and one. I mean, that's uh, I say that's the early stretch, but I mean that that's a that's a pretty good sized chunk of the season that they've been very consistent. You know, other than that. That one point loss or one run loss, I should say, to Southern Miss, um, they've won every other game. They've they've won some pretty big games. They they beat Duke. They 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 destroyed Coastal Carolina. Um, they uh, they've won some. I mean, you recounted they won some pretty solid games. They beat UCF in that Michigan in that was the uh, shootout. One, Michigan, yeah. of course, they beat Michigan um, for nothing, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, this is a team that is on a tear. This is a team that is determined to win it all. Um, they, you see it in their eyes. They, they have something to play for day in and day out. When they show up on the, the clay, they want to win. They, they, every, every game they come into, they want to win. And this is a team that is playing together. Pitching is great. The, the hitting is excellent. Um, everything is coming together. I mean, there's been there's been some years previously where the Gators would have incredible pitching. Their pitching staff would be awesome, but they wouldn't necessarily get the the run support. Um, and there's been other years where their the pitching was okay, pretty good, um, but inconsistent at times. And the run support would be there, but they would end up losing games eight to ten or seven to five. Um, when they really could have won it if the pitching, you know, hold off teams in, in, in that category. Very impressed. Um, and I mean, we could, I could go on and on about, about um, different players, but I just think the whole team um, is coming together. And as you mentioned, I, I'm really excited about what this team is going to look like in SEC play. I don't 
see very many more losses on the schedule. I mean, this is a, this is a team that probably will only have um, four or five losses going to the postseason. Um, if that that might be a bit of a stretch, but I mean, the, the SEC is loaded. You know what I mean? Like eight or nine losses in the SEC is really good. Florida won the SEC with ten losses last year. Uh, yeah, I mean they still got they still got two two games versus Florida State. So that that I mean Florida State's always good. Uh, unfortunately, two, they don't get Georgia. That's the one I really wanted. They don't get Georgia. Yeah, this year actually no, sorry, Florida won the SEC with with. Um, with with five conference losses, I meant to say they they lost, they won the SEC last year um, with with about nine overall losses. But anyway, um, yeah, like you said, Dustin, I, I, yeah, I think it'll be four or five conference losses. Again, this isn't this isn't football. We're not going to give you a a win and loss prediction on the year. But this is a team that looks like the real deal, and I'm real excited to see what the next few months look like for women's softball. Me too, dude. Me too. I mean, they. Uh, I'll I'll give a stat now because this is an everything school. Probably got more sports to get to. We'll, we'll give softball their their due time later in the year. But I just want to point out right now, uh, Kendra Falby is is a freshman. She's she's I think she's seventeen years old. She's hitting five fourteen. That's just not normal. That's that's just out of this world. Through twenty two games, uh, I think she's had. 70 official at bats. I mean, she, she's, she's leading off um, some games. She's getting if as many at bats as everyone else, if not more. So five fourteen average that, I mean, baseball and softball are, are games where if you fail seven out of 10 times, like if you're hitting 300, that's pretty good. More than half the time she steps up, she's getting hits, not just reaching base. She's getting hits. That's, just insane that's i mean i don't expect her to keep that up because the sec is just loaded with elite pitchers everywhere you look but i mean if, if she hits 314 that's going to be an incredible freshman season 514 right now is just insanity so that's that's incredible i'll, I'll also point out the pitching staff for florida is just stocked with talent again. Natalie Lugo, Elizabeth Hightower, another freshman, Lexi Delbray. I don't like to compare, uh, not really in any sport. I don't like to compare athletes to to current, or, or I don't like to compare current athletes to former athletes in the sport, unless the match is absolutely perfect. And I don't think it is in this case. But Delbray has a little bit of Kelly Barnhill in her. So again, she's just a freshman. Florida's got other pitchers that are also really good in High Tower, Lugo, and, and Riley Trilicek, but Delbray could be something special. So if if it's not this year, and it might be, but if it's not this year, 23, 24, 25, she could be just terrifying for opposing teams to deal with. So that's softball. We got two more sports to talk about. Uh baseball, which is really, I think, um what what triggered the podcast this week. We were, we were going to do one before too much longer anyway, because you know, everything school is kind of gearing up for its postseason with winter sports and spring sports are, are getting into their middle of their season. But baseball, I think triggered this pod because they just got some payback against big, bad Miami hurricanes. I say that 
uh, mockingly because Florida has just absolutely owned the Canes under Kevin O'Sullivan. Um, I tweeted this out, but I understand that not everyone who listens to the pod is on Twitter, so I'll just read it off to those of y'all who are listening. Here, here's, here's just how much Florida has owned Miami. They've beaten the Canes 36 of the last 47 games. They're, they're 36 and 11 in the last 47 games. 15 of those 36 wins by five-plus runs. The significance there, five-plus runs being your, your, your quote-unquote slam proof, meaning you can have an inning where you load the bases and the guy hits a grand slam and you're still winning. So five-plus runs considered a blowout. 15 of those 36 wins by five-plus runs. Four of them are by shutout. They've won 11 of the last 13 regular season series against Miami. And they have swept the Canes out of the postseason in 2009 in the regional, 2010 in the super regional, 2011 in the regional, and 2015 they just absolutely truck-sticked the Canes out of the College World Series in Omaha 15-3 and 10-2. And now, after losing the first game of the series this year, Florida comes back and just bludgeons the Canes again, back-to-back nights, 8-1 on Saturday and 11-3 on Sunday. Dustin, uh, I'll give you the first crack at this. What, what stood out to you this weekend from the Gators, and what impressed you the most uh, this weekend against the Canes? Now, what a, what a way to bounce back after the – the two five loss in the first game, the the way the Florida took the series, um, and uh, you know most recently, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the box score to to get specifics, but the the uh, the eleven to three win um, in the in the most recent game um, versus Miami, I think it was incredible. I mean, Judd Fabian is on a tear. Um, Langford is is looking great. Um, I think that you know, from a from a pitching standpoint, I think to hold to hold Miami to only uh, only three runs, I think I think that's that's pretty solid. Um, but I just I just like the way this team, um, you know, bounces back. Early in the year, I'll just say this: early in the year, it's tough because a lot of times you see a team still uh, working through the the kinks, as they say, trying to establish an identity. Um, year in and year out, Florida uh, loses a ton of talent to the the MLB draft, and year in and year out, Florida's getting you know top three recruiting classes. Most of the time, they're getting the number one recruiting class, and so there's a lot of young talent on the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, this there's a lot of there's a lot of lot of bright spots on the team. But like I said before, um, my my uh, my personal favorite player um I, li- I like the way i like his leadership i like the the um the spunk and the and the the excitement that, that he that he brings to to the game um judd fabian uh he's somebody i'm really excited about and, and I, I look forward to um seeing him continue to to make big time plays um he's a he's a, a hidden machine um and on top and that that that's in addition to um how great of of a um of an outfielder he is at center field. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's special. He got a second round. Um, he, he was selected in the second round of the MLB draft last year. Most guys would take that and, and go. He said, Nope, that's not good enough. I'm coming back. And 
I'm coming back to play with my brother, Derek Fabian, another super, super talented youngster that Florida has loaded up its roster with. Um, I will not lie. I was a little sad to see as many guys leave the program after last year as I saw leave uh, Corey Acton. I will always remember fondly for, for uh, how do I put this for, for, for taunting the entire Miami fan base with the, the upside down U after beating them in the series in 2020 uh, Jordy carry on. I thought had a lot of potential. I was sad to see him go. Um, then there were more, but I, I think that Kevin O'Sullivan sort of did that because he kind of wanted to just make an entire new team. Uh, I mean, he, he, I mean, he said like the, the chemistry of the 2010, 11, 12, 15, 16, 17, and 18 teams were all off the charts. These guys saw each other as brothers. I, and, and he, you know, he didn't say that the chemistry was bad last year. It, it just wasn't where it was supposed to be. The talent was clearly there. And we saw, I mean, you don't beat Mississippi and Vanderbilt each two out of three. You don't beat the defend, you know, you don't beat the national champion that year, Mississippi. You don't beat them as badly as you do without there being natural talent there. It just, the chemistry wasn't there. And, and Alex Fiedo came on the pod last year and talked about that. Chemistry was what turned a team from great into elite and then into a championship team last year was a, a very good team. They mean, they, they were a top 16 team in the country. They hosted a regional. They didn't win a game in the tournament, but that was a talented team that just didn't have it off field. They didn't have that trust, that bond with each other. And it, it honestly is kind of hard to understand if you don't play baseball and, and I, you know, tennis is my sport, as we said earlier. So I can't even say that from experience, but just listening to Alex Fayette go into all that detail about how that matters makes you think, all right, there was probably a rhyme and reason to that. I'm going to miss carry on. I'm going to miss um, Corey Acton, but loading up this team with as many new faces as he did seems to have done something at least this week in which they went four and one this week. They got some payback over Miami last year. Again, you don't blow the canes out without there being talent there, but to do it back to back days. Now they've all of a sudden, I mean, you know, it's early in the year. Don't look now, but Stetson, North Florida, three times against Georgia state, North Florida, again, Florida, A&M one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of their last 10 games. That doesn't really happen without there being some kind of trust and bond amongst the players. Now, as far as on the field, what's actually happening, they, they didn't really show up on Friday night, but at least the at-bats, at least the approaches the players took on Friday night looked competent. It, it looked like you know they were confident in what they were doing. They were taking some pitches that should have been taken. They weren't chasing as much as we saw against Liberty in that season opening series where they – I mean, they, they took all the wrong pitches and swung at all the wrong pitches, just just bad at-bats that didn't really work the pitch count up. They were patient at the plate. They were aggressive when they needed to be. They barreled up a lot of balls. Uh, I mean, that's something else you can look to uh, in baseball where, I mean, may, maybe your average is, is 200, but let's say, you know, in 10 at-bats, you get two hits, but three others, you hit screaming line drives right at the third baseman, right at the left fielder, and right at the shortstop 
well, you barrel the ball up, you put the fattest part of your bat on the baseball three different times, all three times, right directly at the fielder and it's an out and your batting average takes a hit as a result of that. Whereas maybe, you know, you top the ball, you hit like a swinging butt that, that goes 15 feet that you didn't get the good part of your bat on it. Maybe you were jammed. It was inside and you just got maybe an inch or two off the bat handle on the ball and it just traveled 16, 17 feet, but you beat it out because it's, it's, it's essentially the same thing as a bunt where you just beat it out to first and it's a hit and you didn't really necessarily do your job in terms of getting the fat part of your bat on the baseball, but it helps your average out and it looks good in the stat sheet. So Florida got more of those sort of barrel up loud outs where they put the fat part of their bats on the ball on Friday night. They only got two runs. They didn't exactly, you know, light the world on fire in the hits category, but they had better at bats. They looked more confident and, they got more loud outs and we saw on Saturday and Sunday, the results came, the ball stopped going directly at fielders. They started getting more base runners. They got more hits and well, Miami kind of helped them out on Sunday. They walked 14 batters. So that, you know, we'll, we'll take that, but still nine hits. They got a couple of dingers. Um, Wyatt Langford got a shout of him out. That was an excellent performance from him on Sunday. Um, he's going to be something special for the Gators too. The young guys on the mound, some of whom are, are rookies, they're freshmen. Uh, Blake Purnell, two scoreless innings on Friday night, comes back on Sunday to fix a, a mess that Timmy Manning left for him. 3.2 innings of shutout, ball, of shutout ball on Sunday. Timmy Manning also, by the way, bouncing back from a weaker first performance and an up and down last year for a very strong performance on Sunday against the Canes. Brandon Sproat was very good against the Canes. He and Nick Ficarota tag teamed for – a nine-inning performance where only one run crossed the plate. That's really, really good. Pitching staff definitely provides more reason to be optimistic than it did before the season or before the series against Miami. And then, you know, the returning guys, Jed Fabian, excellent at-bats today. He hit one out. Uh, Kendrick Kalilau, the senior, hit one out. So this is a team that I think has has never had the talent be an issue, but now – we're seeing them play with more confidence, more, um, yeah, I mean, more, more trust in each other. And I think that if you listen to Alex Fiedo, who's won a national title with the Gators, uh, could, could be the difference between another good team that makes a regional and a great team that, you know, does something in the postseason. And best of all, we now get to have that hope and that, that realistic hope to believe that this team can do something more than just, make an NCAA tournament. They can actually do something in the NCAA tournament. We get to have that hope because we made our rival Miami Hurricanes finally do the thing that Miami Hurricane fans were screaming at Florida players to do throughout the course of the weekend. And that, of course, is sientate. Their favorite word that they yell every time Florida batter fails to reach base or any batter fails to reach base if uh, if you were making the probably the good decision to watch the games on mute so you didn't have to hear the various forms of drivel coming from the tube you got to uh you got to spare yourself that but they they do have a ritual of yelling siatate or 
left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right for every step the batter takes back to the dugout. They go left, right, left, right, left, right. And then when he finally does get to the dugout, they yell, siantate, which is Spanish for sit down. So for those of you who don't get that, uh, learn something new every day. But uh, yeah, the Gators made Miami fans siantate and they, they made them siantate outside the top 25 of the rankings, which is also nice to know because now we might be seeing the Canes again this year, this time potentially in Gainesville for an NCAA tournament um, showdown that we, we could have had last year if Florida had done their job, but didn't. Um, always nice to shut them up as well. Dustin, any final thoughts on baseball before we move, we move on to uh, the big finale of our show and, and, and football? It's always good to win a series against Miami. It's, it's going to be a good run this year. Um, I'm not going to go out on a limb and, and, and make the same prediction that I made for, for softball that I'm going to make for baseball. But, I mean, I think this baseball team has a shot. And the reason why I say that is I think, I think there's a little bit more youth and inexperience on this baseball team. I think there's some guys that are still trying to fill out their roles on the team. Um, there's certainly a lot of talent. Uh, and I think that as the season goes on, we'll, we'll learn a little, bit, a little bit more about this baseball team. But certainly – um, Coach O'Sullivan has a has a good thing going um, with this baseball team, and uh, you know maybe in a month or so, um, get back to me, and I'll I'll give you my uh, my postseason prediction. See 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 what we're gonna do in that in that regard. But well, you right now, I think it's gonna be in everything. That, that and there's not even suspense anymore. You're just uh, you're 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 the eternal Pollyanna of of this podcast. But let's That's let's true. see if we can let's see if we can generate a reason, a real reason for that to be the case this year. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, you know, uh, not that I don't love the other sports. I think all, I, th- I think what's amazing about the university of Florida is we truly are an everything school, but you know, my, uh, my ears perked up a little bit when, when, uh, when you mentioned the, uh, the F word and, uh, but what, what I mean by that, when you said football, <laughs> God. um, I'm going to have to break this episode explicit now. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, football. It's it's a thing. And, yeah. and re- recruiting is a thing. And, it is. And, 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 and no, Dustin, you don't say, Neil. Recruiting is actually a thing. It's a thing, a... it's a thing in, in all 12 months of the year, not just <laughs> yeah. a, a couple. Um, Dustin, it feels good, man. Uh, I, I can't lie. There, there's a bit of an eye roll that, that came from my eyeballs when I saw pictures of Dan Mullen just soaking up the sun uh, on vacation. I mean, look, he, he deserves time off. He deserves uh, – it, it was a nice beach vacation with his kids. He's taking videos and photos of his, of his daughter and his son just, I think, playing golf, doing zip line. And, you know, that's great. That, that is great. They deserve to have a dad in their life. But you know what? We have a coach now who makes football his life. And if you're going to be the coach at the University of Florida and you're going to take the money that comes with it and the expectations that come with it, you better recruit all 12 months of the year. And Billy Napier, Dustin, is doing that. Yeah. He's, he's definitely building, he's building the organization, um, the excitement and the buzz that surrounded uh, the recruiting over the last month and a half has been insane. Um, on top of that, the amount of the amount of top 300 prospects within 150 miles from Gainesville, um, and I'm not even including IMG players, which a lot of those are from out of state. Um, if you include them, I mean the number goes through the roof. 
And on top of that, the number of these guys that are actually interested in the University of Florida, the amount of uh, top 50 guys that have visited unofficially. Um, I mean, of course, you're going to get a lot of official visitors later in the year. But the fact that these guys are coming and they're returning and, I mean, you, you, you look at the recruiting buzz. I mean, I, I can't even count on my, my hand anymore how many times I've seen guys that have said, my opinion on the Florida Gators has, has literally changed 180 degrees. I mean, the Gators are doing things and recruiting that they have not done in years. It's literally been about 10 years since Florida had this kind of buzz on the recruiting trail. Um, and it feels great to see that. Um, and one of the big issues with, with the previous staff is we couldn't finish. Um, I really feel like this staff is going to finish. Now, we'll, it remains to be seen. We'll find out a year from now. Um, but the relationships are being built, and I have full confidence that we'll be able to win on the, win on the trail. Um, but real quick, something I want to I just spend a brief minute talking about. Um, Identity. I mean, the, the, the team just finished um, the identity uh, period in, in, in the, um, the grand plan that, uh, that Billy Napier has set up. So, um, you know, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, the first step is foundation. Um, the second step is identity. And if I'm not mistaken, the next step is going to be uh, preparation for spring ball. And Billy Napier has a very specific regimen that, that uh, he provides for his team, for each player, in terms of OTAs, optional uh, team activities, uh, is what that means, for those of you that don't know what that means. Um, but he's instilling a very specific plan, a plan that has been successful. It was successful at Louisiana, but more importantly than that, this is a plan that has been imported from um, schools that have, that have won national championships. This is a plan that is that is similar to what Nick Saban has done at Alabama. This is a plan that is also similar to what Kirby Smart has done at Georgia. And, you know, I don't care how much you hate either of those teams. Um, they, both those teams, have a plan, a plan that works. It's a plan that works in the recruiting trail. It's a plan that works um, in the, on the practice field. It's a plan that works on game days. It's a plan that works in the postseason. And it's a plan that we finally have a coach that is bringing to the table. We finally built the infrastructure. We finally have the coaching staff. And I know that's something, Neil, that you, that you are very passionate about. I mean, I, I could go on and on, Neil. Um, I mean, there, there's a reason why, uh, you know, we, we, we both run the, the recruiting handle for, for in all kinds of weather together. We're both incredibly passionate about recruiting. And, man, it feels good to finally – not you know you mentioned that I'm kind of that Pollyanna, but I think that you would even admit that you're you're becoming a little more positive in terms of your outlook on recruiting as well. And I think that that's all I need to know is that if Neil Schulman is excited about recruiting, if Neil Schulman is positive, if Neil Schulman thinks that we have a shot at some five stars, then I know that something is really cooking in Gainesville. So without further ado, Neil. Uh, I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I, I, well, because because there's reason to be because I I I, I did lose a few contacts uh, at UF after this year. I was pretty close with Zach Carter. Uh, he he 
he's not there anymore. Um, I don't get quite the info I used to, but I, I still do have some contacts there. And what they tell me is these guys seem more interested in Florida than they seemed, you know, th- than the last batch of, of kids seemed at the University of Florida. And I'm not going to read any texts. I'm not going to read any, you know, thing, any I'm, anything that was meant to be, you know, told me in private. I'm obviously not going to put out there. But instead, I'm going to read some comments now that sort of uh, portray the same ideology. And there, there's a very good reporter out there, Corey Bender, um, who works for On3 Sports, the Gators affiliate of On3 Sports. I'm going to go through his or some of his tweets now from this past weekend. I'm going to read verbatim what was on the record that that these that these kids talked about. And we're willing to put their names behind and say in public. Wide receiver Hakeem Williams. I just feel like Florida is the most productive school in Florida. That would be the school I would probably I would probably attend if I was to pick a Florida school. Then there is Peyton Kirkland. Had a great time at the University of Florida. Gator emoji. Completely blown away by the experience. Let's keep going. Uh, Derek LeBlanc, top 100 ranked defensive lineman. I'm going to come back many more times with my family. Offensive lineman Peyton Kirkland. Again, it was a complete 180 degree turnaround from what I expected it to be, especially with my mom feeling the same way. Defensive lineman John Walker. All I could say is that they're up there. Offensive lineman KJ Harris. I feel like it's in a better position than it was before than the laugh staff. No. I feel like it's in a better position than it was before the last staff for sure. Keon Keeley, Notre Dame commit. They are bringing a lot of great things to the University of Florida, so there is a lot to be excited about. Defensive lineman Cameron Jones. Billy talks about Spencer, um, or talks about Sean Spencer, a.k.a. Coach Chaos. He's a real cool guy, like real fun to be around. Good energy, high energy. I mean, they're just... It just keep going. There's there's so many of these. There are so many of these kids who are not only visiting Florida. Florida's not just getting them in the door. No one's holding them hostage and forcing them to tweet compliments about them. Like, I mean, obviously there's not because you can't do that. And, yes, there's going to be some motivation for players to flaunt that Florida offer. Florida is a, a very prestigious football program, as we all know while we're fans of them. The players are naturally going to be excited to talk about how they like Florida as one of the most prestigious programs in the country because it makes them look good. No one's telling these kids to say, we were blown away by the experience. No one's telling these kids to say, yeah, the staff, the energy is so much better now than it was under the last staff. No one's forcing these kids to talk about, if I were to pick a Florida school, it would be that one. The energy is real now. It's not just the standard had a great time at the University of Florida, Gator emoji. Thanks, Coach Dan Mullen, for coming to visit me. It's not just, oh, the swamp is cool. I could imagine myself playing here one day. It's, it's, it's more than that. It seems more personal for these kids. It seems like they're, they're more excited about it. And that's why I'm excited about it. Because, as Coach Billy Napier said, it is a talent acquisition business. You need to get the guys into your program, and then you coach them up. But how do you get the talent? It's about relationships. 
these coaches know how to do that. And Dustin will, I, I'm, it's too early for me to make predictions. I, I don't believe in doing that a year in advance. I, I will start doing that, I guess, uh, like towards the season is not, not to quote Dan Mullen on recruiting at all, but it is, it is not recruiting prediction season. I will, I will amend that statement and say it is not recruiting prediction season. There is a season for that. I don't believe that season is right now. It does not last 12 months a year, but I am genuinely excited about Gators recruiting. I'm really excited to see what Billy Napier can do with a full class. Neil, you and I could go on and on about just what you said. I mean, I don't have to go any further than the recruitment of Kabari Wilson, a guy that looked to be signed, sealed, and delivered for Georgia. Um, a guy that, I mean, he he chose to be a Florida Gator, and it it, it came in part because um, in the in the in the midnight hour, uh, Billy Napier won him over, won his mom over, um, did all the right things, and now not only is Kabari a Gator, uh, but he's he's become um, one of the biggest ambassadors for the University of Florida even as a recruit, I mean, even what he's already done is in, in terms of NIL and, and everything. I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy uh, that is cementing himself already as a leader in this program. He's the kind of guy that for the next three years is going to give his heart and soul to the University of Florida and is the kind of guy that, you know, if we do see Florida um, come, coming back to glory in terms of winning or at least competing for SEC and national championships and and being the, the team that we expect Florida to be, um, the Gator standard that Dan Mullen talked a lot about but didn't live up to. Um, he's the kind of guy that, that is going to be a massive part of um, what this team will look like. So, Neil, um, I know that we, we – we, like, like, like you said, we could talk about this for a while um, – we will bring up recruiting again. Recruiting season is 24-7. It is 365 days a year. Um, we will reserve predictions for later. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, because I, there, there, is, there is a distinct recruiting prediction season. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to predict where kids are going to go 11 months before the residual signing day or nine months even before the early signing period. But – yeah, man, recruiting season is is now. It is it is tomorrow. It is it was yesterday. It is always. It is, there's no there's no day off. I, I mean, I guess I mean Napier is entitled to take a like a quick weekend to uh, like Savannah Hilton Head Island with his family if he's got his phone with him and he's willing to text recruits like on the drive there and you know at night when he's in his room. But for the most part, there is no such thing as a day off from recruiting. You do it every day. Uh, you know what? I, I hate to quote Will Muschamp on anything because he was not good, but Will Muschamp once said, recruiting is like shaving. If you don't do it every day, you start to look like a bum, and I'll leave it at that. And I, think that's, I think that's a good place to leave off, Dustin. We, we touched on eight sports tonight. Um, and one sport I was very reluctant to touch on, Gator basketball or men's basketball, but – Every other sport out there is is either reaching that Gator standard or exceeding it. Or in Gator women's basketball's case, they, they are building towards it. And given where um, they've been, that is just fine and dandy with me. They are by 
all means on the right track to get to reach that Gator standard. So we got a program that is is in pretty good shape overall. And for as much as, as I will always fondly remember Gator basketball or the men's basketball team as, as being a dominant force and, you know, for as, as much as it, as it kind of sucks to, you know, to not have it anymore, to have an athletics program that is this dominant in every sport or building to be this dominant in every sport is pretty cool. Yeah, Neil, you're absolutely right. And, and I just want to say this before we bring it to a close. I know that obviously basketball has been severely underwhelming, but the story of Keontae Johnson, the way that everything played out um, in, in, the, in the early minutes of that Kentucky game uh, with him and his, his opportunity to uh, take one last uh, step on the court, um, the, way that, the way that we sent him off in the best way possible, um, and I emphasize that last word possible. Um, I, I think that I think that's definitely worthy of um, shouting out and, and worthy of celebrating. Um, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I mean, I thought you were there. We, yeah. Yeah. I'm done. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was that was worth pointing out for sure. I mean, like I said, some things are just bigger than sports, more important than sports, and deserve to be looked at as such. And that was obviously something that deserves, you know, nothing but the most um, respect that is, is possible to give towards him. It's a very serious subject. Uh, it, I, I do want to, to very clearly put out there that what happened to Keontae Johnson and the overall state of the Gator basketball program are by no means intertwined. Mike White had an off season between when that happened and this season to refill the roster with his guys. So even if you want to give him a blanket pass for all that went wrong in that 2020-21 season, that has zero to do, first of all, it had zero to do with taking the air out of the ball against Oral Roberts when you're up double digits with nine minutes to go against a team that does not recruit from the same pool of talent as you. But anyway, it has even less to do with, with all that's gone wrong this year. So very different subjects, but that is a subject that deserves to be treated with the utmost care, the utmost respect and, and respect towards Mike White too, because you know, he, he has something to do with that. And he is the guy that slept on hospital couches while Keontae's fate was unknown in Tallahassee, which is a, a strange city to him. It's a foreign place to him. Um, but yeah, that, that was worth pointing out. And, and if there's a way to, to end this show, um, Keontae will reiterate if you're listening to this, if your family or your close friends listen to this, um, for as frustrated as, as we may be with the overall state of the program, um, we, we wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward in all that you do. We want nothing more than to see you be successful in all that you do. And you know what? Similarly, I'll shout out one player on the Gator basketball program that I, I feel the same way about, and that's Colin Castleton. I, I wish he was born a decade earlier or later that he wouldn't be stuck in mid-major Mike's purgatory. That guy is a baller. And if you put him on a team like the 2013-14 team that went to the Final Four or, or the three teams before it that went to the Elite Eight, or if, if you put him – not the national championship teams, but maybe that 2000 team that went to the championship game, he would have had roles on that team. He would have produced for that team. He would have been part of those team's successes. He is that feisty. He is that 
I, I don't even want to say talented. He's 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 talented. He's not that talented. He is a scrappy, gritty, feisty dude that will kill himself for a board or a loose ball. And that is the Gator standard for individual players. It is to do everything in your power to make the Gators the best they can possibly be. So yes, I, I'm blanket irritated with everything related to Gator basketball right now, but that does not include Colin Castleton. He, he, he is excluded from that statement. So uh, just wanted to throw that out there before we wrap it up. And with that said, I think that's all we've got today. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We'd really, really appreciate that. We will be back soon for more Everything School content because we've got some got some programs that we think can make real runs at upholding that Gator standard of winning championships. Dustin, any last thoughts? Go Gators. Yeah, not not quite ready for that 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 full uh full throated version no. of it yet but no. thank you guys for listening go gators in all kinds of weather we will stick together for f-l-o-r-i-d-a as discussed by the basketball program as we may be in all kinds of weather we will all stick together go gators